Tonight is the 95th day of our study, 95 times we have opened and we have peered into the Word of God, hearing His voice. How awesome has that been? In five more days, in really a very short order, we will finish this effort. By Sunday afternoon, we will have gone verse by verse, word by word, through the entire gospel of John. And just like that, we will be finished. Over the last few days, I've been hearing from people. I've been talking to people about what this effort has meant to them, what God has done through it. And I've heard stories, and the, the stories are great. I've heard testimonies. The testimonies are awesome. Uh, in our church, eight people made decisions for Christ and were baptized during these days. And praise the Lord, it has been an awesome, awesome experience. Really, we may never know all of the things that took place or that take place out of these 100 days. But I want you to know something. I want you to be aware of something tonight. If you have let him, if you have been open, if you have been available and committed to the process, God has been doing something in you. God has had a purpose for this for you. And I want you to be certain of that. And if you've been coming and if you've been listening and if you've been available, God, if you've been willing, has been growing you. He's been moving you along, and maybe you've noticed that. Maybe he's been correcting some things in your life. Maybe he's been encouraging you in some areas where you needed to be encouraged. Listen to me tonight. God has been preparing you for something. Now, don't look around tonight. I'm talking about you. God has had a purpose in this for you. Well, we've got 100 days. Well, we've got this. Well, we've got these things. Well, the videos are going out. Listen, God has had a purpose for you in these days. And so in five days, buckle your seatbelt. I'm talking to some of you. It is not the end. It is the beginning. It is not the end, it is the beginning. I want you to know it does not end here. God has done something in you. He is doing something in you. And I want to tell you, it doesn't end on Sunday. For some of you, it's going to be the beginning. Our message tonight is entitled, Proceed in Peace. Proceed in Peace. Tonight we're moving right along. John chapter 20, verses 19 through 29. John chapter 20, tonight, verses 19 through 29. Proceed in peace. I'm gonna ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Beginning in verse 19, God's word says this. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. 
The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the imprint of the nails, and put my finger into the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, reach here with your finger and see my hands and reach your hand and put it into my side and do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who do not see and yet believe. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear me, Father, we come tonight, we're thankful for you. We're thankful for your kindness shown to us as sinners. We're thankful that you do not write us off, you do not cast us away. We're thankful that you so love us that you send your only begotten son, that we might have peace, that we might have the forgiveness of our sin, that we might have eternal life in Jesus our Lord. Lord, I pray for some that are here tonight that are existing outside of peace. I pray that tonight in the hearing of the gospel of peace, the gospel of grace, the gospel of Jesus, that tonight they would find peace in you. Lord, I pray for those that are hearing in all sorts of means tonight. I pray that again, that they would be encouraged as believers, strengthened as believers, and saved if unbelievers. Lord, I pray that they would turn to you in faith tonight. Lord, I pray that in all of this, all of this hour, all the preceding hours and the hours that are going to come ahead, that you have been known, that you have been pleased, and that you've been glorified. I trust it to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. In our verses tonight, we continue with the events of the day of the resurrection of Jesus. Now, that's a a crazy thing to think about, the events of the day of the resurrection of Jesus. So far in John's account, Mary Magdalene has made her way there. The Bible says she was the first one there. She has found the tomb open. The Bible says that she ran, and she ran wide open back to town where she has told Peter and John. Peter and John, who have then made their way back to the grave, and they have found not only the grave is open, they have found the grave is empty. The grave claws are there. Jesus, however, is gone. After that, the Bible says two angels, and then Jesus himself has appeared to Mary Magdalene. The very first person to see Jesus after his resurrection was Mary Magdalene. She is given, the Bible tells us, the joyful duty to go and to tell all of the disciples I have seen 
the Lord. Now, can you imagine the blessing of that? She's to go and tell the disciples, I have seen the Lord, Jesus. All right, verse 18, she does just that. Let me read verse 18. We'll start there. Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he has said these things to her. Now, again, think about that. What a day it has been. What a crazy day it has been. What an emotional day it has been. The day starts in sadness. They make their way to the grave to anoint the body. And then once there, they find Jesus is alive. The grave is empty. They are shocked. They are astounded. They are perplexed. They are glad, so glad. However, the day is not yet over. That's where we pick up again Tonight, verse 19, here's where we begin tonight. So when it was evening on that day, the same day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, peace be with you. Let me read that verse one more time. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut, it it translates locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, peace be with you. Now the Bible says that the disciples had gone to their own homes. Uh, After assembling there at the grave, after their announcement, uh, after finding the grave empty, they had made their way uh, back to their own homes. At some point during the day, they have reassembled together. Now, we're not sure where that is. Some folks think it's the upper room. It may very well have been the upper room, but they have made their way back together. They have assembled together. Now, the Bible says here that wherever they are at, the door is locked. Our translation says shut. It translates the door is shut and locked for the fear of the Jews. I want you to think about this tonight. The most prudent thing for the Jews to do is to end the movement right here. They have killed the leader of the movement, Jesus. They have Pilate serving their cause. And if they can kill these other leaders before the movement grows, before the movement spreads, This is the time to do it. And so the most prudent thing to do is to come and find whoever's left and to kill them, to remove them. That's the best thing for the Jews to do. The disciples know this. Not only that, think about this. It was just a few nights ago that they were with Jesus, maybe in this room, and they remember the brutality of the week. They stood by the cross. They saw the cross. They saw the beating that Jesus endured. And so for the fear of the Jews, their doors are locked. Now, of course they are. They are nervous. They are perplexed. They are confused. They are wondering, is Jesus alive? Peter keeps saying that. John keeps saying that. If he's not alive, where's his body? If he is alive, where is he at? What do we do next? They are perplexed, they are confused, and the door is locked. And 
The Bible says it was then that Jesus came and stood in their midst. And he said this, peace be with you. Has to be the best words ever. Has to be the best words ever. Jesus is in their midst. Can you imagine? They saw him pulled over that stump. They saw him whipped across his back. They saw him nailed to a cross. They saw him put in a grave. They're wondering what's going to happen to them. And Jesus is in their midst. The best words ever. Peace be with you. It's interesting to me the last words that he spoke to them. In John chapter 16, the last words he said to them, these things I've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Listen to me. Now he stands and he has overcome sin. He has overcome death. He has overcome the world. And his first words to them are peace be with you. I can almost feel them exhale. I can almost feel the relief in the room. Can you feel the tension as it lets up? Jesus is here. Peace be with you. Can you feel the joy in the room? Verse 20. And when he had said this, <clears throat> he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Now, I want you to know, here's the deal in verse 20. Jesus wants them to be sure it is him. That's the thing about verse 20. That's, that's the deal going on in verse 20. He wants them to be sure. He wants them to be certain. He says, see my hands. Now, can you imagine that? Nobody's ever looked at crucified hands like that. He says, see my hands. He says, do you see my side? Would you like to touch my side? This is what a spear does to your side. He says, see it. Folks, I want you to be sure of this. Jesus is not playing a game with them or with us. You see, our religion, our faith is not some puzzle to put together. It's not some mystery that we have to solve. Jesus wants us to be certain Jesus wants us to know him. Now, there were rumors, and there still are rumors, the same rumors, that it is a spiritual resurrection. There's some denominations that teach that, that he's not physically alive. There were rumors then, it's not real. It's a spiritual resurrection, the same thing today. Well, Jesus says, do spirits have these that's what Jesus says. Be sure, be certain, touch my side if you want to, but be sure it is me. At the end of the verse, the Bible says they're rejoicing. Can you imagine the happiness in that room? Can, I, I think we say, yeah, we can. I don't think we can. Can you imagine? Here's Jesus. Here's my friend. Here's our Lord. Here is Christ incarnate. Here's the promised Messiah. Here's the perfect Lamb of God now having paid for sin. Here's the resurrected Savior, and he is with them. They, they are relieved. They are filled with joy. And I'll just tell you this. They're certain this is Jesus. So, touch me. He, they, he's made it certain. 
They are rejoicing. All right, verse 21. So at that point, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. They are relieved. They are joyful. They are certain. Jesus says again, peace be with you. Now he adds, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. I want you to notice there's now a turn here. There's now another direction that that appears before us here. Jesus now turns the focus to their mission ahead. Understand, his work is done. Salvation is secured. He's paid for it on the cross. But now their mission begins. Listen to me tonight. Hear me tonight. It is speaking to us tonight as well. I want you to hear this. This is speaking to us tonight as well. And I want you to be clear. Whatever station of life you're in right now, and maybe you're older, maybe you're retired, maybe you're younger, maybe you're a high school student, maybe you got things going on you never thought would go on, but whatever station you are in life right now, God did not bring you here so that you can say, you know what, well, that's good. Here's a a box to check off. You know what, the the book of John, put a check mark. Mail me a star, star in the mail. Friends, listen to me. God has been doing something in you and God has a purpose for you. Don't forget that, don't miss that. And so now God has been doing something and in whatever station you are in, in life, now your mission begins. Now your mission begins. Now the next few verses are gonna tell us about the mission. I hope you understand that. God didn't bring you to where you're at right now to end it. He doesn't bring you here to check it off. He doesn't bring you here to say, good job. This is the starting place, whatever your station in life tonight. Now, the next few verses are going to tell us about the mission. First is this. In this verse, we see, he says, as the Father has sent him, Jesus, he says, I also send you. As the Father has sent him, now he sends us. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Well, let's think about that. I'm going to look at a couple things. The first thing we see is this. First, the Father sent Jesus on a redemptive mission. The Father sent Jesus on a redemptive mission. He was to secure salvation for sinners. He had to be man. He had to be fully God. He comes as as Christ, as God incarnate. He lives a perfect life with no sin. He goes to the cross to pay for our sin. He is resurrected from the dead. He came to secure salvation for sinners. Well, listen, in the same way, Jesus sends us on a redemptive mission. Did you hear that? In the same way, that's what the verse says, Jesus sends us on a redemptive mission. Now, what that means is, We are to lead people to salvation in Jesus, 
by leading people to Jesus. That is our redemptive mission. Now you sit here tonight and say, why do I exist? Why do I exist? Here I am, I'm in school. Here I am, I'm retired. Here I am, I'm middle aged. What is my mission? What is my mission? Listen, it is a redemptive mission. Just as Jesus had a redemptive mission in the same way, you have a redemptive mission. Do not set that aside tonight. Do not go back to normal tonight. Don't say, well, this was good and I'm going back and getting ready for the holidays tonight. You have a redemptive mission as did Jesus. Second thing we see here, the Father sent Jesus for the good of the world. He sent Jesus for the good of the world. He was to provide salvation, the atonement, the payment for sin for the entire world. He was to provide, in fact, he is good news for the entire world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He was for the entire world. Well, listen, in the same way, Jesus sends us for the good of the world. Jesus has sent you for the good of the world. The only way the world is gonna hear about salvation through Jesus Christ is gonna be from professing believers. That's the only way. The only way they're gonna hear is through us. It's gonna be through you and it's gonna be through me. The world will not hear without us. And so I want you to listen tonight. God so loves the world that he sends Jesus. Well, Jesus so loves the world that he sent you. He sent us. The third thing we see tonight, the Father sends Jesus enabled and empowered to carry out the mission. Now, I want you to see that. It's important. The Father sends Jesus enabled and empowered to carry out the mission. He was able to fulfill the law. He was able to live a life and never sin. He was able to die as the Lamb of God in our place. He was able to rise again and to live as the resurrected Savior. All right, listen to me. In the same way, Jesus sends us enabled and empowered to carry out the mission. Do you understand that? That's what it is. In the same way, he has sent us enabled and empowered to carry out the mission. In the provision of God, whose resources are limitless, and in the spirit of God, we have all we need to carry out the mission of Jesus Christ. Let me just tell you this. Some of our greatest excuses, and and I'm talking to me and I'm talking to you, some of our greatest excuses over the course of all these years is that we need something else. You know what? I need a better circumstance. When I get my marriage fixed up, when I get the kids raised, when I get the retirement set, when I get this, when I get that, when I get my reputation cleaned up, when I get time. I don't have any time. If you see what I'd have to do, you wouldn't have any time either. When I get all my stuff lined up, when I learn some more, I don't know enough. If I knew some more, I'd jump into this, but I don't know anything. Do you know how dumb I am? 
And we go through life and we say, we need something else to get on the mission with Jesus Christ when the truth is, just like Jesus, you are empowered, you're enabled to carry out the mission of Jesus Christ. I'll say it like this. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. We need not one more thing to carry out the mission of Jesus Christ. In verse 21, I want you to see this. On the day that he rises from the dead, he tells them of the mission. Well, couldn't he wait a couple days? It's Easter after all. On the day he rises from the dead, he says, brothers, sisters, we've got something to do. He tells them of the mission on the day he rises from the dead. That's the first thing. Second thing is this. In the next verse, he tells them of the power for the mission, the power for the mission. All right, listen to verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to understand, verse 22 is a little bit complicated. I want you to understand this. Verse 22 is a symbolic act showing them they will receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. In the fullness of the Holy Spirit, they will live in the Holy Spirit and they will minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me tell you this. In the book of Acts, we see very clearly that the Holy Spirit came at the event of Pentecost. And so this is not another event. This is not confusing that event. It is a symbolic, prophetic act pointing to the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. He was telling them in this act what is to come. Now I want you to see the picture here. Remember Adam... God breathed the breath of life into his nostrils and he lived. Well, now in this prophetic symbolic act, in a believer's new life, empowered life, spiritual life given by Jesus, we also have the breath of God, the Holy Spirit of God. Now, this is another sermon and I've only got five more nights and so let me just say it like this. We cannot live as believers outside of the power of the Holy Spirit of God. We cannot live as believers outside of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God. Well, here's the good news. We do not have to. He tells us the Holy Spirit is coming, all right? We see the empowerment for the mission. Verse 23, let me read that. Jesus says, if you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. All right, verse 21, he tells them of the mission. Verse 22, he tells them the empowerment for the mission. Verse 23, listen, he tells them of the magnitude of the mission. He tells them of the magnitude of the mission. Now, there are many people that misinterpret this verse, stay with me, to say that the apostles or some other people have the authority to forgive sin. There are some churches 
that teach that. There are some churches that practice that. You need to be forgiven of your sin. You go to that church and the priest there will absolve you, will forgive you of the sin. Listen, that's not true. The Bible in the Old Testament and New Testament says only God can forgive sin. But what this is showing here, let me explain it to you. It is showing the magnitude. It is showing the weight of our mission as disciples of Christ. Listen to me. As believers, we have the duty to tell others there is the forgiveness of sin in Jesus. And by hearing and receiving that is how they'll be forgiven of their sin. The world is all sinned. We all have. And we carry the weight of our sin, the condemnation, the guilt of our sin. Well, as believers, we have the duty to tell a lost world, a world stuck in their sin, that there is the forgiveness of our sin in Jesus. And by hearing and receiving is how they will be forgiven. And we have a duty to warn them that if they reject Jesus, they will stay in that sin. That's the second part of it. We have a duty to say, you know what? Here's the truth of Jesus, but if you reject Jesus, you will stay in your sin. And if they do, or if they do not, depends on their hearing, and their hearing depends on our telling. Do you see how big of a deal that is? It's the same meaning as Matthew 16 when Jesus says he gives believers the keys to the kingdom. That's the same thing. That's what it's talking about. We have a duty to tell lost people there's the forgiveness of sin in Jesus. We have the duty to warn them if they stay apart from Jesus, they will stay in their sin. And the potential is huge if we do it, and the consequence is huge if we do not. Do not miss this. It is the resurrection day, and Jesus is encouraging his disciples in their mission. Do you see how important that is? All right, verse 24, we're going on. <clears throat> but Thomas, one of the 12, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. Didymus means twin. Evidently had a twin brother, twin sister somewhere. Thomas, the twin, he was not there. Now, it doesn't tell us the reason. I read somebody, and they were trying to tell us the reason. It doesn't tell us the reason. I don't know what he was doing. He was not there. He's not there, verse 25. So the other disciples were saying to him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to him, unless I see his hands, the imprint of the nails, and put my finger in the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Let me read verse 25 again. So the other disciples were saying to him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the hands, in the hands, the imprint of the nails, and put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Let me tell you, we read this and we think, come on, Thomas. Isn't that what you think? Come on, Thomas. What's wrong with Thomas? I want you to think about this. 
Remember how crazy this is. Remember how crazy what we're asking them to do is. You see, let me tell you about Thomas and these other guys. They saw Jesus crucified. They saw nails driven through his hands. They saw him stretched out and nails driven through his legs. Right before their eyes, they saw Jesus die. It wasn't some secondhand story that made its way back to them. They saw Jesus die. Let me tell you something. Crucified people don't come back and talk. Crucified people don't come back and live again. He knows what he saw. And so when they say, we've seen the Lord, we've seen the Lord, he doesn't know what they're talking about. He says, I'll not believe unless I touch his hand, unless I put my finger into the place of the nail, unless I touch his side. Remember, this is just the first day. This is radical, verse 26. After eight days, his disciples were again inside. They're back there, they're inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors having been shut, translates locked, and stood in their midst and said, peace be with you. Eight days later, the, the verse says they're together again, most likely in the same place. The door is still shut. Now, let me say this. The Jews are still out there. Some folks say, well, by now they ought to quit locking the doors. Well, you don't lock your doors tonight and see how that goes. The Jews are still out there. The danger is still out there. They're together. The doors are locked. And Jesus came in the midst. And the third time, he has the exact same message. Peace be with you. Verse 27. And then he said to Thomas, wow. Reach here with your finger. Did you know there was a real hole there? A real nail went through that hand. He says, Thomas, reach here with your finger and see my hands and reach your hand and put it into my side and do not be unbelieving but believing. I want you to see this in verse 27. Jesus is not mad. Jesus is not condemning. Jesus does not give him some mean nickname, doubting Thomas. That didn't come from Jesus. No, I want you to see this. Jesus loves Thomas. Hey, man, he was just a man. He learned, he watched, he grew, he saw his friend crucified. He loves Thomas. Jesus wants Thomas to believe, and so he says, listen, Thomas, whatever you want to do, if you want to, if you want to touch my hands, touch them, Thomas, but believe. If you need to touch my side, touch it, Thomas. Do whatever you need to do, but Thomas, don't go out of here and not believe. Thomas, believe. Friends, I want you to be sure tonight, the call of Jesus and so the call of the gospel of Jesus, the call that's recorded in the gospel of John is always to believe. Jesus says, Thomas, oh, that you'd believe. The call of the gospel is to believe. And the Bible says that in believing, be saved. Verse 28, Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. I want you to notice something, verse 28. 
Thomas doesn't reach in. Did you notice that? He doesn't touch his side. Did you notice that? He sees Jesus. He can see the holes. He sees the spear stab mark in his side. And Thomas says, my Lord and my God. What a great answer. My Lord, my master, and my God, the only God, my God. I want you to notice for Thomas, it's personal. My Lord and my God. Verse 29, Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. Now I want you to understand in verse 29, John is writing this years after this event. John is writing this years after Jesus has ascended and gone back to glory. And so I want you to understand tonight, his audience will be people that will not see Jesus. His audience, he's writing these years later, and these false teachers have come into the church, and they're trying to say, well, this is the truth about Jesus, and this is the truth of the gospel. And John writes this account to people who will not have the opportunity to touch the hands of Jesus. And yet, listen to me, the call is still the same. The call is to believe. Jesus says, blessed are those who believe and do not see. Did you know tonight? Listen, that in group includes us. You see, I can read the words tonight, and I trust the words. They're the words of God. But I'll not see the hands of my Lord until I see them in glory in heaven. And yet the call that Jesus makes for me and the call that Jesus makes for you is this, believe. Blessed are you who believe, even if you do not see. Blessed are you. Here's the question tonight. Have you, have you believed in Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus? That's the call tonight. I'm gonna end with one final point tonight, and that is this. Three times tonight, we read that Jesus says, peace be with you. Here's what I want to tell you tonight, and I want you to be sure of this. You will find no peace outside of Jesus Christ. You will find no peace outside of Jesus Christ. And let me just tell you, you can try and look for it, and you can try and run to it, and you can search every which way, and you can think, you know what, young person, if I can do these things, if I can get this reputation, if I could get this scholarship, if I could go to this place, if I could get this job, you know what, middle-aged person, if I could get this set up, if I could get these things taken care of, if I could just live in this neighborhood, if I could just get my relationship squared away, you know what, retired person, if I could just get more time, if I could just see the grandkids, if I could just make sure the income wouldn't run out and you can look for peace and you can run after peace and you can strive for peace and you will find no peace outside of the person of Jesus Christ. You will not find it. But I want to tell you this, as sure as I stand here, you will find peace in Jesus. You will find peace in Jesus. Jesus says, peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give. You will find peace in Jesus. Here's the question, we're about done. So do you have peace tonight? 
Do you have peace tonight? Are you looking for peace tonight? Are you so tired of trouble around every turn, of chaos around every turn, trying to think this thing will get this fire put out? Do you have peace tonight? Because you will only find it in the person of Jesus Christ. Here's the good news. It's offered to you right now. Do you have peace tonight? If you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to tell you this. He knows you. He sees you tonight. He loves you. And if you'll call upon him, he'll forgive you of your every sin. He'll clear your slate as far as the east is from the west. He'll remember it no more. If you'll call upon him tonight, he'll make you new. In fact, in him, all things are new. He'll restore you. He'll renew you. He'll give you a purpose and a purpose and a mission, a reason to get up in the morning. He'll save you tonight if you'll call upon him. If you've never trusted Jesus, you'll find peace in him alone. Trust Jesus tonight. Trust Jesus tonight. He'll save you tonight. If you don't have peace, look to Jesus. I promise you this, you'll find it in Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. During Father, we come. And Lord Jesus, I praise you tonight. I thank you. I, I do not deserve peace. I deserve everything but peace. I deserve trouble because I've sowed it. I, 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 I deserve punishment because I earned it. I deserve punish, separation from you, Lord. I, I rebelled. But I, I did not earn peace. I do not deserve peace. But what a gracious, kind Savior to come and say, I will give you peace. And I, I praise you for that. I thank you for that. Lord, I'm thankful for my salvation, not of any work, but of faith and turning and trusting you. Lord, I, I pray for some that are in this room that are hearing this tonight. And they may smile, and they may act, and they may have it all put together, but it's inside their stomach, it burns in the absence of peace. I pray that tonight they'd trust you. I pray that tonight they'd turn to you. I pray that tonight they'd be saved tonight. Not worried about what the world thinks, not worried about their pride, that tonight they'd turn to you and be saved tonight. I pray for others that are hearing in other places, other means tonight. I, I pray that tonight they would turn to you and they would trust you. They would find peace in you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we come and we just, we worship you. We praise you. We lift up your name. I'm thankful that we can walk out of here in a messed up, sorry, crazy world, but we can walk out in peace settled in you. Lord, I pray in this time of invitation that you work, that you speak. I pray the result will bring much glory to your name. Pray that any hindrance will be removed and anything that would distract will be removed. And I pray the fruit of this time will be again much glory going to your name. We love you, we praise you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna close our service with a time of response. And I wanna tell you every bit of that, every piece of that, in fact, every piece of the last 95 nights, and every piece of the next five nights is so this, that you'll have a decision to make in Jesus. If you've never trusted Jesus, maybe you'd say, well, I've heard things or I made a decision in an earlier day. I don't know really what it was. I want to tell you tonight the good news of the gospel is this. God loves you. God knows you. He sees you. He sees that we're all sinners, all of us. He sees that we've earned a punishment in our sin, separation from him. He, he knows we're separated in our sin. He knows if we die in that state, we'll be eternally judged. The Bible says that the second death in our sin. But he loves us so much, he sends his only begotten son. That's what this gospel's about. He comes, he lives a life, he never sins. Because he never sins, he's offering himself in our place because we have sinned. That's what he does on the cross. He dies there, your death, my death, 
taking your punishment, my punishment, that's what the cross is about. He settles it there. He pays for it there. They take him off that cross. They put him in a grave. He's dead. The price is paid in him. And three days later, on the day that we're reading about, he walks out of the grave. He is alive. He stands as the risen Savior, our hope, our King. The Bible says if you'll profess faith in him, you shall be saved. Not some checklist, not a bunch of rules, not church membership, not baptism, not anything but faith in Jesus. If you'll call upon him, professing with your mouth what you believe in your heart, Jesus is Lord. He is your Savior. He'll save you tonight. If you've never done that, do that tonight. Settle that tonight. Don't go home without that peace tonight. He'll save you tonight. Just a second, we're going to have a hymn of invitation. If, if you're making that decision, you come, let's talk about it. If you need more information, come, let's settle it. If you've settled it right now, you come, report it. We'll set a day of baptism. It'll be a great day of celebration. Maybe you're here and you've made that decision, but you've never followed in believer's baptism. The Bible says it's always after the point that we're saved, not as part of it, not before it. And it's always a testimony of what we believe of Christ. Maybe you've made a decision recently. Maybe it was further back, but you've never followed in believer's baptism. You come as well tonight. It'll be a great time of testimony. We'll set a date. It'll be a great time pointing to what we believe of Jesus. If you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it and you believe God has led you here, you know what we'll do? We'll uphold this gospel. We'll uphold his banner. We'll preach his word until he comes back for us. If God's led you here, you come. We'll take care of that. Maybe tonight you want to come pray at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. Maybe you're dealing with something and you want to bring it to him. Nothing's too big. Nothing's too small. Maybe you want to come pray here at the altar in humility. I'm going to ask that no one would stir about. No one heads for an exit. You pray for those who are making decisions. As we stand to sing, if God has spoken to you tonight, you step out. You come on, I'll meet you here.